This is a series of teaching that has been growing and just just building in my heart to release, to give. It's been one of those series that I, I've been living in, in ministry. I've been living in my own life. I've been growing in my own, my own life, my own um, spiritual life. And it's, I think it's time. I think it's time to, to start to share this in a, a teaching. I have taught a little bit on the soul, but usually when I do teach on the soul, it's a one-night teaching. This is going to be a 10-week series of teachings. And I'm not going to give you a big introduction because that's part of the teaching tonight is the introduction. It's going to be a 10-week series. Um, so let's go ahead. I'm just going to start with the introduction. The first scripture is 3 John, verse 2. And the scripture says, Beloved, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. In this scripture, there are two, two clauses separated by a comma. The second part of the scripture fulfills the first part. The second part says, just as your soul prospers. The term just as, or sometimes it says even as, depending on your translation. That means in proportion to, in direct proportion, or in the degree. So in the degree that your soul prospers, so will your prosperity of your life and the health of your body. So the prayer that God is, is speaking through the Apostle John is that his desire, above all, is that we'll prosper in every area, that we'll prosper in life, that we'll prosper in our health, that we'll be in health. But both of those things, prosperity in our life, which refers to having all of your needs met, and our health of our body are in direct proportion to the prosperity or the health of our soul. So let me put it this way. The health of our soul directly affects the degree of prosperity in our life. And the health of our soul directly affects the health of our body. In John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief came, comes, only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I come, I have come, so that you might have a rich and a satisfying life. So that's what this scripture refers to, a rich and a satisfying life in every area. But our soul is, has a swing vote. We are made up of spirit and soul and body. Our soul is the middleman. Our soul is our mind, our will, or our choices, our emotions, our passions, our dreams, our talents, our intellect. All of that is part of our soul. If our soul is in agreement with the spirit within us, 
then, well, let me, let me rephrase this a minute or let me add to this. Our spirit is perfected completely when we receive Jesus as our savior and we receive our inheritance in the spiritual realm when we receive our salvation. So everything that God has planned for us is already completed. It's already ours in the spiritual realm. Our soul's place is to agree with what's already done in the spiritual realm. Our soul needs to be renewed. Our mind, our will, our emotions needs to be renewed with the seed of the, of the Holy Spirit, with the water of the word. And as it is, and we come into agreement with what's already ours in the spiritual realm, then our physical lines up. Our physical comes into agreement. As Tom likes to say, two against one. <laughs> Soul and spirit are in agreement. So the body has to follow suit. But the problem is in this world that we live in, that's not usually the way it happens. Because the soul in the world, in the worldview, usually agrees with the body. So emotions follow what's going on in the body. Uh, fear might follow a doctor's diagnosis. The emotion, the negative emotion might follow along with the doctor's report. Reasoning, thinking, your, your, your processes follow along with the, the problem. So your soul is focusing with what's going on in, in your body. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical issue. It might be something with, with uh, a situation in your life. But wherever your soul is in agreement, that's the, the direction you're going to go. Whether you're in agreement with your body and the problem, then the problem is grows and is, and, and is given more power, more life. But if you are in agreement with the Holy Spirit and with what's already done in the spiritual realm, then watch out. That body has to follow suit. That's why it's so important for our soul to prosper. And that's why I am compelled to teach about the soul, the prosperity of the soul, healing of the soul inner healing. The next scripture I want to share is where the title of this um, series came from. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. And the scripture says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. So this scripture talks about God himself sanctifying us. Where it says making holy, in some translations it says God himself will sanctify us. Sanctification or holiness means to be separated unto God. It means, if we're talking in the realm of the soul, it means instead of being connected with the, the stuff, the, the stuff in our physical body or our, our issues, instead of that, we are separated to God. The scripture says that God himself sanctifies us, not just in spirit, but in spirit and soul and body. And then the second part says, God will make this happen. For he who calls us is faithful. Now, where I want to really look is in the very middle of this scripture. It says, we'll be kept blameless. Those words, when you look them up in a concordance, 
mean carefully attended and taken care of. God himself will carefully tend and take care of us. I like to, and I've used this analogy before, I like to think of our soul as a garden. And the health of our soul is the very source of our healing, of fulfilling our purpose in life, of being successful and living that rich and satisfying life that Jesus came to give us. But in order for that to happen, we have a part to play. We have talked many times about the the power and the authority God has given us. And it is our part to exercise it, including in the area of health in our soul. The third scripture I want to give you as an introduction is Luke chapter 6. And this chapter, or this verse, talks about fruit. It talks about good fruit and it talks about bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. That word heart is, means the inner person, the soul. The, the mind, the will, the emotions. So a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good or a healthy soul. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil soul or a a hurting soul or a wounded soul or a deceived soul or a soul that has been traumatized or a soul that has bought lies and received them. We're going to talk about all that stuff this over the next 10 weeks. So. We are spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit is perfected when we're saved, but our soul and our body aren't. We need to cultivate. What we're going to be doing over the next 10 weeks is, like the, like the, the title, we're going to tend the garden. We're going to become master gardeners, really good gardeners of our soul, cultivating, weeding, watering, nourishing, the soil of our heart. Because if we don't, if we just let it go, if we don't tend to our soul, then we risk it growing weeds or thorns or thistles. And even worse, we risk bad roots from growing and taking over. We're really going to look this week at this, this series at roots, bad roots, We're going to look at six categories of bad roots. This is on your handout. And I'm going to be doing um, teaching about each one of these roots. The first root is wounding. Wounding is when you've been hurt, typically by people. But it doesn't have to be by people. It might be by people groups. It might be cultural. It might be uh, something that's happening in the system uh, right now. You see it in our nation with the, the, the factions out there politically. So there can be wounding in many different ways. Uh, 
about um, two or three years ago, my mother-in-law was with us on vacation, and she had a bad fall. And when she fell, she had a huge chunk of skin scraped off of her shin. And she had a big wound. It was about that big around of just the skin just ripped off. We couldn't, couldn't get it stitched, or we didn't think we could. We didn't even take her to the hospital because it was just like the skin was just taken off. We didn't even think it could be stitched. My mother-in-law, and, and we helped her, treated it the best we knew with peroxide to clean out all the germs and to bandage it. When she went home, she continued to treat it the same way. She continued to put peroxide and bandage on it. Peroxide, bandage, peroxide, bandage. She did that for a long, long time. It didn't heal. She ended up going to a wound specialist and learned that every time she put peroxide on that wound, she was killing everything. Yeah, you kill germs with peroxide, but you also kill new growth, new cell growth, new skin growth. She didn't know that. She wasn't letting it heal. She had to spend months with a wound clinic to get it to finally begin to heal. So the point I'm making is we can have wounds and not let them heal. The other issue with a wound is that there's a potential for infection. Whenever there's an open wound, there's a potential for infection. The same thing is true with wounds of the heart. There's the potential for it not to get healed. There's the potential for it to get infected. So we're going to deal with that. So that's the first bad root we're going to talk about is wounds. The second one is lies. The enemy's a deceiver. And many times we believe his lies because they don't seem like lies. Many times we have grown up believing a lie and we don't even know it's a lie. We've lived with it our whole life and it doesn't feel like a lie. It feels like who we are, but it isn't. It's a lie. So we're going to look at that root of a lie or lies that you've been believing. The third root that we're going to look at is the root of fear. Now, I've taught many times on fighting fear. But if there is a root of fear, instead of just fighting the symptom of fear, we're going to go to the root and get rid of that root of fear so that the bad fruit of panic, depression, anxiety, uh, fearful behaviors won't be uh, a stronghold in your life. The next um, bad root we're going to ex- um, learn about is entanglement. Sometimes it's called enmeshment. Sometimes it's called soul ties. Where, and, it, and these are where there's another person or persons that has been um, enmeshed with you in a not healthy way. And it's, they've pulled you into their issues. <laughs> and there's a whole spiritual thing that goes on in that, that we're going to Um, get free of the next one is trauma trauma is something that often happens and we don't even uh, uh, have anything to do with it it might be a car accident it might be the loss of a loved one it might be a uh, I don't know a robbery of your house or something like that and it has caused a trauma many times you hear the term PTSD that's where trauma has become a, a bad root And the enemy has gotten in there and caused it to become something that is an issue of life or a stronghold in life. But we can be healed of those things. 
Our soul can be healed, and that doesn't have to be an issue of life anymore. The sixth area of roots, bad roots, that we're going to go to in these next 10 weeks is demonic influence. There are times that we unknowingly, usually unknowingly, can open the door to the enemy. We're going to, it, I'm going to just expose junk that's out there in the world today. There's a lot of it out there. And my prayer is that as we share these things, God's going to reveal and heal. He's going to reveal and heal. For each one of those roots, we're not just going to look at the yuck. For each one of those roots, we're also going to look at what it might look like in your life, how it may have manifested as bad fruit in your life. And we're going to look at how to get it healed. We're going to look at how to gain healing and freedom. In every session, we're going to have ministry. We're going to have some individual ministry that's, that's going to be like a model where I, I will have talked to somebody who is open to, to let us just look in the window of what God's doing and see healing right in front of your eyes. But then we're also going to have corporate ministry. That's where no, everybody's um, uh, needs are kept private, but we'll be ministering corporately to everybody and that'll be a weekly basis and we also will show you and teach you and help you to take back what was stolen remember the enemy's plan is stealing killing and destroying we're going to get that plan and use the authority we have as believers to to enforce the defeat and live in jesus side, which is a rich and a satisfying life amen And then in the final session, session 10 of this series, we're going to look at walking out your healing. Walking it out. So whatever, wherever you've been, whatever God has revealed, there's a process of walking it out. Standing up, detoxifying yourself from the lie or the wound or whatever it was, and then walking out your healing and divine health in the area of your soul. So we're going to read a scripture right now. This is a prophetic word about Jesus the healer. There's another word, another prophetic word about Jesus the healer in Isaiah 53. And in that particular one, it talks about pain and it talks about disease. That Jesus came to pay the price in full for healing of our spirit, a healing of our body, healing of pain, healing of disease. This scripture... I love, I love both of them. But this scripture really zeroes in on healing of the soul that Jesus came to provide. So this was prophesied about Jesus, our healer, 700 years before he was born. It's Isaiah 61. I'm going to start with verses 1 and 2. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. And to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. So before we go on to the next verse, let's just stop here for a sec. This is about Jesus. 
the Spirit of the Lord, the same Spirit that we have, was upon Jesus. That same Spirit is also continuously with us now. And the purpose was to bring good news to the poor. Good news. The word poor doesn't mean poor in finances. The word poor means weak, lowly, or afflicted. Jesus came to bring good news, and that's still true today. If you feel poor, weak, afflicted, lowly, he came. There's good news for you today. It says, he has sent me, Jesus, he has sent Jesus to comfort the brokenhearted. The word brokenhearted is made up of two Hebrew words. The second part, the part that has the word heart in it, refers to the soul. It refers to the inner man, the mind, the will, the emotions. Jesus came to heal those who have broken hearts, broken souls. The word broken means broken in pieces, shattered, crushed, wrecked, or quenched. So if, if you're feeling, thank you, Fran, very much. If you're feeling like something's like quenched, like the fire's gone out, like the passion is, has, is dissipated within your heart for life, God is saying right here that he came to heal that. He came to, to put water back in there, give you life again, to water the soil of your soul to give it what it needs, the nourishment it needs, the, the love it needs, the, the fulfillment it needs again. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. When someone is held captive, they're held captive through no fault of their own. So, being held captive, you may be held captive because you've been wounded, because somebody's hurt you. You may be held captive because the enemy has gotten you to take the bait of lies. And you're held captive to those lies. Jesus came to release you from that captivity. He also came to free prisoners. A prisoner has done something to deserve prison. And in the context of what we're talking about, you may be imprisoned, your soul may be imprisoned through sin, through unforgiveness. Now, as born-again believers, we have been completely forgiven. But sin in our lives may hold, we may be holding ourselves captive in a sin issue when we don't need to be in that place because we've been freed. So Jesus came to free us from captivity, release us from prison. So the things that we may be dealing with in our soul, Jesus has already taken care of. We just need to let him heal it, let him take it, give it to him, release it. Instead of buying the lie that that's ours. He has sent me to tell those who mourn 
that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. The phrase, the time of the Lord's favor, refers to salvation and everything that salvation encompasses. Abounding, overflowing, the fullness of salvation with healing, with wholeness, with provision, with love that is unspeakable, it's so great. All of the immense gifts of salvation, forgiveness, all of it, eternal life, all of it. This scripture says that the time has come for that to just explode, for it to abound. The time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it, and with the favor of God, the day of God's anger against their enemies. God doesn't want your soul hurting. He doesn't want you in your heart to be wounded. He doesn't want anything standing in the way of you receiving the fullness of health in your body and your soul and your spirit. And remember, the the prosperity or the health of your soul directly affects the health of your body. That's why we're doing this series. I want to see you whole. I want to see you healed. We're going to go to the second verse, or verse 3 of this scripture. Because God doesn't just heal. God doesn't just remove these things. He always uh, trumps it. He always uh, gives more than you've been freed of. Listen to this. To all who mourn in Israel... I want to just explain one thing. That word Israel, in some translations, is the word Zion. And the word Zion means parched place. To all those who mourn in a parched place where something in you has been quenched, where something has been like, something inside you feels like it's it's just, sick or dead if that's you this is what god says he will give a crown of beauty for those ashes so the ashes he's going to take from you and in place give you a crown of beauty he gives us joyous blessing instead of mourning festive praise instead of despair. And in their righteousness, righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. As our roots become healthy instead of sick, as our roots go deep, our roots of knowledge of the truth of the fullness of God, those roots go deeper and deeper and grow stronger and stronger. We become oaks of righteousness. And the fruit... The fruit is good fruit instead of bad fruit, instead of fruit of depression or fruit of sickness or fruit of strife or fruit of whatever. There will be fruit that looks like rich and satisfying life, prosperous, healthy, well. That's what God desires for all of us. So that was the introduction. (laughs)
we are going to do the very first part of the teaching now. And the first part we're going to do is about wounding. Wounding is when you've been hurt. I want to say this before I even get started. In this series, my goal is not to stir up junk. That's not what God's goal is. God's goal is to show you if there's a need for healing, if there's a wound that needs healed. It's not something where you're going to go digging through your past to see what's there. It's going to be all God showing you if there is a need for healing. We have the potential to receive wounding or not. Something may have happened to me and to Fran. The same thing. One of us could have received a wound, the other one didn't. Depending on where our receiver was or where our, 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 our ability to say, uh-uh, I'm not receiving that, was. So it, just because something has happened doesn't mean that there's necessarily been a wound inflicted. The first thing I want to talk about, I'm going to talk about two specific kinds of wounds. This week I'm going to talk about father wounds. Next week I'm going to talk about mother wounds. But I want to say this before we, before we begin. Never will, I, will I, I say or suggest that we should reject our dads. We don't reject them. God has told us to honor our parents. And that's what we do. That's what, I, that's what I want to share with you. This isn't about not honoring our parents. This is about honoring our parents. Many times they didn't know what they did. When Jesus was on that cross, he said, forgive them, Father, because they, they don't know what they're doing. And that's what many times when we minister to wounds that you've that you've received over your life. It's one of, it's, that's what we say. God, they didn't know. My dad didn't know. My mom didn't know. Okay. The teaching that I'm going to be sharing about father's wounds, most of it comes from a few sources, but this is the biggest one. It's a really good book called Experiencing Father's Embrace, and it's written by a, man, a gentleman named Jack Frost. It's a beautiful book. Um, I was going to order some copies of it, and we didn't, we didn't get that done. So I wanted to give you the title and the name of the book. Our earthly father's role is very important to a child, especially between the ages of three and five. And during those ages, during that time, there are four basic emotional needs that a father needs to meet in a child in order for the child to develop a secure, secure childhood and secure foundations. So the first one of those basic emotional needs is the need for unconditional expressed love. Unconditional expressed love. Love that is communicated. Love that is expressed in a way that's meaningful to the child. The second basic emotional need is the need to feel secure and comforted. A need to be safe. A need for the father to, to help the child to know 
that he or she is safe physically and emotionally. The third basic emotional need that a father, an earthly father needs to give their child, especially between the foundational years of ages three to five, is the need for praise and affirmation. Where the dad tells the child what's so good about him where the dad shows his approval of that little one and speaks it out. And the fourth emotional need is the need for a purpose in life. The father, it's very important for the father to let the child know that the talents and the gifts in them are valued. To let them know that their lives means something and that they're very special. So those are the four basic emotional needs that an earthly father should fulfill. It's part of a dad's makeup. It's a part of who they are. But not every dad fulfills those needs in their kids. And if they don't, if maybe a dad has a hard time communicating his love or expressing it, or if the child for some reason hasn't felt secure, or if they haven't heard their father's approval expressed, or if their father hasn't um, rejoiced in the gifts and the talents that are in that little one, it may resolve in, in wounds. It may resolve in unresolved issues. It may result in difficulty as they grow up, especially relating to males or authority figures. It may affect their identity and the healthy formation of their identity. And it can affect their relationship with Father God. Our relationship with God can be highly influenced by the relationship we had with our earthly father. Because a father's role, who God created men to be, who God created fathers to be, that role very closely mirrors the role of Father God. God is a triune God, Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. And the role of Father God in the Trinity very closely looks like what fathers are supposed to look like, earthly fathers. Father God loves us unconditionally. Father God approves of us. He accepts us just as we are. Father God has gifted us with talents and gifts and treasures, and he loves those talents and gifts and treasures. He values them. He has gifted each of us in such a beautiful way. He wants us to receive those talents, receive those gifts, rejoice in them, use them, treasure them, not hide them under a bushel. The role of Father God is to protect us, to keep us secure and safe, to, that we know, that we know, that we know that he never leaves us, he never forsakes us, he's always with us, he's always for us. That's God's role in our lives.
So the role of the father very closely mirrors the role of Father God. If we work to achieve God's... I'm going to go to that in a minute. I'm just going to skip that for a sec. What I want to go to, Tom, um, the A factor slide, we're going to come back to in a minute. Okay? What I want to go to first is a list of six general types of dads. And when we look at this, we're going to look at um, some of the characteristics of these types of dads. And then we're going to look at some possible fruit that isn't good. My prayer is that God will um, reveal if there's anything right in your life that is um, similar to what we're going to be talking about. And then we're going to minister to it tonight. I'm going to give you um, the way to go home and continue to get healed of any father wounds and replace it with healing and wholeness. So the first type of father is a good father. Good fathers provide those basic emotional needs that we just talked about. Good fathers express their love in a meaningful way to their children. Good fathers... um, Keep their children safe. They, children know that they're safe and secure. Good fathers fulfill the need of praise and affirmation for their kids. And they approve of them. Good fathers pull out those gifts. They value their little ones. They treasure them. They help their identity to grow and to be established. Now, there are a couple of possible issues, believe it or not, even with a really good father. And the issues... One of the issues is that the bond may become an unhealthy dependence. Because that father is so good, there may be an unhealthy dependence later in life where the child continues to look to the father for the sense of security and love. Instead of, um, the scripture says that we need to leave our father and mother and cling to our wife. And that might hinder that from happening. Another possible issue with a good father is that the child may be unable to let go of the stability of that relationship in order to be dependent on God because they've been so dependent on their father. They let their father be that figure in their life instead of letting God be their ultimate father and being dependent upon Father God. The second kind of dad I want to talk about is the performance-oriented father. Performance-oriented dads make stringent demands for their kids for high performance. This father type is very common in the United States because our society rewards performance. This father often proclaims love and expresses love, but that love is connected with performance. So there's nothing wrong with standards and expectations. We need to have standards and expectations for our kids. But we also need to give unconditional love that isn't attached to performance. It's okay to approve and to rejoice and to, and to you know, express your love and your, your pride in your children's performance. But you should also express love. That's not connected to performance. Okay, Tom, can you go back to that A factor now? 
This is um, something I heard the other day that really made a lot of sense to me. If we lack affection, so if we're lacking um, the, ex- the express love, the unconditional love of our dad, then our need for approval drives us to achievements, hoping for acceptance. So instead of um, just naturally receiving all of those things, acceptance, approval, love, performance becomes attached to it. And you think you need to perform in order to earn love. Now, here are some of the issues. You may believe the lie that God will only be pleased and approve of you if you perform well enough. That's a lie. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. His love is unchangeable. His love is perfect. His love is so great and deep and wide and high that we can't begin to completely know it. We will continue to grow in knowing it. But no matter how much we grow, there's still more. And it's not tied to our performance. It's not tied to how much we perform or how poorly we perform. His love is constant. But if we've had a dad that has tied performance to love, then we may believe that lie. Another possible bad fruit that has to do with this performance issue is depression. Depression has a root in this whole thing about striving to be loved in order to receive approval, striving to be perfect, striving to perform in order to receive the love of dad or even God. It's a lie, but it might be a lie that you're believing. And depression is the result. That's only one of the possible reasons for depression, but it is one. The next kind of dad is the passive dad. This type of father fails to be home even when he is home. This dad isn't able to demonstrate love and affection, probably because he didn't have love expressed to him. He doesn't speak words of love that his children need to hear. He doesn't reach out with warmth, with hugs, with kisses, with cuddles. He also doesn't share emotions with his family, like his joys or his sorrows or his disappointments. He's just kind of flat. Possible bad fruit that may come out of this kind of a, a, a father figure. You might have a mental or an intellectual assent to the gospel. In other words, you know it. You've read it. You've studied it. You've got it in here. And you you say, okay, I believe it. I agree with it. But you haven't experienced the Father's embrace. There's something missing. There's something lacking. You may know that God loves you here. You may 
you know, have read it here and believe it, but it seems distant. It seems far off. Your, your relationship with God may be devoid of passion or devoid of joy. The next kind of dad is the authoritarian father. This dad is more interested in the love of law than in the law of love. This dad uh, demands immediate, unquestioned obedience and often is very um, intimidating, fear instilling or controlling. I, had a, I have an amazing dad, but that would probably be one of the areas that I've, I've gone to God about because my dad was fear-based. Many of dads in my generation were. And his belief in discipline was that you needed to be afraid. It was important for children to be afraid of their parents. That was just what a good dad did, and I was. And um, that's something that, you know, I've... I've dealt with <laughs> over the years and I'm going to share a big part of that testimony later on in this in this series of teaching. The next kind of dad is the abusive father. The abusive father, um, abuse, especially sexual abuse, creates one of the deepest wounds a child can ever receive for it often results in tremendous hidden core pain. So in this case, possible bad fruit may be feelings of guilt or a profound sense of shame or unworthiness. Another possible bad fruit is carrying repressed anger or being consumed with hidden fears and a deep distrust of God, a deep distrust of authority figures, a deep distrust of men. The last kind of dad is the absentee father. This father is just physically not present in the home. In America, 50% of our children live without their birth father in their home. Many times children feel they somehow were the cause of their father leaving. So possible issues may be um, because of the abandonment, the, the seeming abandonment, it may be difficult for the child, for the person, the grown-up, to relate to God. They may have a sense of fear that at some point, Father God may not be there for them, just as their earthly father wasn't. And it may result in a striving to please God, to appease guilt relating to your own father's absence. At this point, I want to share a testimony of a woman that I ministered to a few years ago. It was beautiful healing that I saw before my eyes of a woman who had an absentee dad. Actually, he, he just wasn't there. He died when she was a little girl. This, um, this woman has given me permission to share her testimony. Her name is Mary. <clears throat> Mary is now in her mid-50s, and this woman has never been married. She's a successful woman. If you met her, if you talked to her, you would see outwardly a very successful woman. She's successful in her career. She's strong in her personality. She's a strong woman of faith. She actually is a minister. She ministers to others in need. 
She knows God very personally. She's a woman with strong character, strong personality, a good communicator. She's living a life of abundance. But during a time of ministry, Father God revealed something. That's what we're going to ask him to do here tonight in a little bit. She simply asked, God, is there anything in my heart? Is there any wounds in my heart that you want to heal me of? And he showed her. Her dad died when she was about three years old, which has been about 50 years ago. Now, she was a really young girl at that time. She barely remembers her dad. And she certainly doesn't have any grief. She doesn't have any stuff in there that she's experiencing today. In fact, she didn't even realize that her soul had been deeply wounded until God showed it to her. But Father God revealed that the wound in her soul was afflicted when her dad died when she was three years old. And she was left without a dad to fulfill those basic emotional needs. She didn't have a dad to express love to her. She didn't have a dad to protect her, to provide for her, to be there for her. God showed her that the reason she had never married was because the wound in her soul caused her to believe a lie that if she allowed a man to love her and if she gave her heart to a man in marriage, he might abandon her too. She closed herself off to love because of the wound in her soul and the lie that she believed that the enemy got her to buy. But I witnessed God giving her a heart transplant. This is what happened. First of all, Mary made a choice to forgive her dad. She didn't even really know she needed to forgive him. He didn't do anything on purpose for, you know, he died. But she forgave him for abandoning her. She forgave him because he wasn't there when she grew up to be a daddy. She forgave him because, um, and she canceled the death that he owed her to be there, you know, at, at her high school events and at her prom and at her graduation. She forgave him for all of that. And then she handed the wound to Father God, along with all the stuff that she had lived without and all of that hurt and all that pain. She handed it to God. And she said, Father God, what do you give me in exchange? And then this is what happened. This, I'm... I'm, I'm literally wrote down the words that she was saying, and this is what she said. She said, I saw Father God come and take a little girl heart out of my chest. It was a child-sized heart. It appeared to be made of pottery, but it was completely covered with cracks. Father God removed that heart, and then he brought me a new heart. And my new heart was an adult-sized heart. It was glistening, radiant, brand new. He took that heart and placed it in my chest, into the cavity where my old shattered heart had been. After replacing my heart, he closed my chest and massaged it with his hands. And when he lifted his hands, my chest was completely whole without even a scar. God gave her a heart transplant. In the spiritual realm, he took out that broken little girl heart and he replaced it with a healthy, adult-sized, beautiful heart. He just, he gave it to her. And then she was able to move on from that place 
and to and to I I haven't talked to her in a while. I need to call her. I know where I I got her number. I can call to see where she's at now. But that was the beginning of an amazing healing in that woman. What I would like to share with you now before we do the ministry time is I am going to go through, there's a slide here that says model of um, healing of these father wounds. There are six general steps that we're going to go through, and I'm going to kind of talk through it first, and then we're going to do an example right here with um, Kim. Kim has offered to do this with us tonight. And then we're going to do corporate ministry for all of us. So the first step is to let God reveal the wounds. Like I said, we're not digging. We're not saying, oh, you know, I'm going to go back and think of every last thing that happened to me my whole childhood. No, because God's good at going to the root. And once the root is healed, all the rest gets healed too. So we're going to ask Father God to show us, to show you, if there's any injury that you've received from your earthly father, the things that we've been talking about tonight, or father figure. It might have been a, a stepfather. It might have been a, a, um, a grandfather. So your father or a father figure. So that's the first step is for God to reveal it. The second step is to forgive if needed, and there usually is a need to forgive. Forgiveness is a big piece. This is one of the ways that we receive healing in the soul is by forgiving. Remember, Jesus said he came to release prisoners and set captives free. We hold ourselves imprisoned with for unforgiveness. Maybe we didn't even know we needed to forgive. But if God brings it to you, we want to make sure that we've let it go. So we're going to pray through forgiveness. After, and when I pray forgiveness for me, I let it, I, 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 I use the word purge. I just purge anything and everything in relation to that thing, in relation to that wound. I just let it all out. And so I might talk to God and, and make the choice to forgive for a couple of minutes. It might not just be one thing. It might not just be, I forgive my father for being harsh with me. It might be more of, I forgive my father for the words that he used. I forgive my father for the tone of voice that he used. I forgive my father for... Um, the shortness of his fuse. I forgive my... And I, I would just... Anything that comes to my heart, I would speak out until there's nothing left to speak. And then I hand it to God. Then I take the whole thing. I say, God, I'm letting it go. Because that's the, that's the fullness of forgiveness is to let it go. To release it and to let it go. After we let it go and let God completely remove it, usually you sense just a lightning or a, a burden that's lifted. I keep pointing to this because that's where I feel it. I feel it letting go of me right here. And then we'll ask God to replace it. Say, God, what do you have for me in exchange? That's where he gives beauty for ashes. That's where he gives the garment of praise for the, for the heaviness. That's where he gives joy instead of mourning. That's where he gives heart transplants, like he did with that woman. After that, the next step 
is to renounce lies. And I will lead you through this. Renounce lies that you may have believed as a result of your father misrepresenting God to you. And I'll lead you through that. Because if there's a lie that's connected, remember we can be prisoners or we can be captives. Captivity is when you, we've got a lie. So we're going to renounce and say, I'm not, that lie, I'm letting go of it. I'm renouncing it. I'm saying, uh-uh, that's not me anymore. So we'll renounce lies that we may have believed. And then the final step is asking Father God to show you truth. Because if there's a lie, there's a truth that he has for you. And that truth, knowing that truth will set you free. Okay. So Kim, can I not? This is Kim. I called her today and I said, okay, Kim, will you be our, our, our beautiful guinea pig? I got to get this thing turned on. Just a second. Yeah. So Kim and I have, um, I'm just going to let you hold that because I don't want the mic to interfere with this one. Um, we've done a lot of ministry here at the altar where she has come to me. I haven't elicited it. She's come and said, Cindy, I've got this thing in my soul and I know that I need to get rid of it. So I've done what we're doing tonight with Kim. We have done many times together. So Kim is very open to just letting God show her anything that's in her soul that he wants to heal. And Kim has received one area of freedom after another, after another, after another. So today when I was looking for somebody that I thought would be okay with doing this, this is, she's being very vulnerable and very transparent. But I think it will be powerful for you. This isn't play acting. This is the real deal. God is going to be ministering right now to Kim. And you can see what this looks like when you go home and you're with God and you're, you've got this in front of you and you, and you go through this at home. So we're just going to get into the presence of God and let him lead us. Okay. And I pray in tongues a lot when I do this, so hopefully that just so you know what I'm doing. Praise you, Jesus, for this time. Father, I thank you for loving us so much. We just come right now to your throne of grace, your great grace, where you come to pour out everything that you have for us. And you desire for our wholeness even more than we desire for our wholeness. So I thank you, God. And I come to you in great anticipation of your healing and your love being expressed right here and right now. So, Kim, I just want you to repeat after me and say, Father, Father, show me any area of injury. Show me any area of injury, Father. That I've received from my earthly father. That I've received from my earthly father. That you want to help me with right now. That you want to help me with right now. Now, Kim, the first thing that you hear, see, or sense is what I want you to tell me. 
was born out of wedlock, and it was a great shame back then for them. And my mother wanted to keep me. I don't know if my father tried to convince her. I don't. I don't know, but there's guilt and shame and. So say, I choose to forgive my father. Just repeat after me. I choose to forgive my father. I choose to forgive my father. For shame. For shame. For not expressing his love to me. For not expressing his love to me. For not being sure that he even wanted me. Not sure that he even wanted me. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add to that, Kim? Uh, um, the thought is coming. Is is um. The disappointment he may have felt in, in me of not achieving. Okay. My, my, my cousins, all the females, went into the medical field, nursing and, and that type of a thing, and um, I didn't do that. Okay. And he didn't give me guidance. He just let me do what I was going to do. I always had to figure it out myself. Mm -hmm. um, okay. See, I choose to forgive my dad. I choose to forgive my dad. That I was a disappointment to him. That I was a disappointment. And that's what he showed me. And that's what he showed me. I choose to forgive my dad. I choose to forgive my dad. That I didn't earn his approval. That I didn't earn his approval. I choose to forgive him. I choose to forgive him. That my life was a disappointment from the beginning. That my life was a disappointment from the beginning. Yeah. And that wound was carried out through my life. And that wound was carried out through my life. I release myself, I release myself from, all harm that was done to me from all harm that was done to in me this area. in this area. And I let it go. And I, let it go. Yeah. I cancel the debt, I cancel the debt that, my dad owed me that my dad owed me to love me just the way I was, to, love me just the way I was. to accept me, to, accept me. to want me, to want and to just love me. And to just love me. And he didn't stand up for me. He just wanted. It was mostly with women. Um, my mother got out. It was out of the picture after a while, and I was young. And I lived with my grandmother, and my aunt was very strong personality, and. Um, my grandmother tried to always remain neutral because my, um, he saw things happen, but he remained neutral. And I was a child. I didn't have my mother to defend me. Okay. And I tried to do things my, tried to do the best I could. Okay. But he, he wouldn't speak up. Okay. He wouldn't defend okay. me. So I choose to forgive my dad. I, I choose to forgive my dad. For not protecting me. For not protecting me. And standing up for me. And standing up for me. 
I choose to forgive him. I choose to forgive him. For not keeping me safe. Not keeping me safe. And secure. And secure. Say, Father God. Father God. Right now. Right now. I release these wounds to you. I release these wounds to you. And I let you have them. Uh-huh. I let you yeah. have all of them, Lord. Yeah. I hand to you the hurt. I hand to you the hurt. The sense of loss. The sense of loss. The sense of incompleteness. The sense of incompleteness. And insecurity. And insecurity. I let it go. I let it go, Lord. What do you have for me in exchange? What do you have for me in exchange? Peace that passes all understanding. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. My full, all-encompassing, great love yes. and validation. Yes. You are loved completely. Yes. You are fearfully and wonderfully yes. made. You are my own chosen yes. one. I made you and I chose you thank you Lord 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 and now Kim just repeat this after me say I renounce the lie I renounce the lie that father God is like that like that. I renounce the lie that Father God doesn't keep me safe. I renounce the lie that Father God doesn't keep me safe. Or stand up for me. Or stand up for me. I renounce the lie that he doesn't love me. I renounce the lie that he doesn't love me. Tenderly. Tenderly. And affectionately. And affectionately. Yeah. I renounce the lie that he doesn't want me. I renounce the lie that he doesn't want me. Or approve of me. Or approve of me. I renounce the lie that he doesn't stand up for me. I renounce the lie that he doesn't stand yeah. up for me. Yeah. Say, Father God. Father God. What is your truth? What is your truth? Yeah. I am on your side. I comfort you. I keep you safe beneath the shadow of my wings. I love you. I love you and I protect you. You are secure. I have heaven for you, but I have abundant life for you here on earth even now. I am with you and I will never leave you nor forsake you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing right now in camp. Thank you, Lord, for revealing the fullness of your love and the fullness of your, your, your purpose and plan and identity for her. Thank you, God, for, for being such a loving daddy, such a good daddy. Thank you that Kim is your daughter and you're a good daddy. Father, I pray right now that there is a a refreshing 
with the, the fullness of love that you have revealed to Kim. That the, the truth of your love is so great. And that there is uh, no comparison between the experience of her life and the fullness of your love for her. I pray, God, that you seal that truth in her heart. That the root of your love replaces the root of the wound. And that root of your love goes deep, 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 deep into Kim's belly. And it is strong. And it girds her up. And takes her higher even than she's been. God, I thank you for your rich treasure of love and healing. We give you the praise. We give you the thanks. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. We say, yes, Father. We believe you. We agree with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, girl. Thank you. Thank you for being so vulnerable. That was beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? That's how awesome God is. That's how awesome God is. Kent, could you start some music, honey? What we're going to be doing now is a couple minutes of of corporate ministry where we're just gonna just gonna give you time to talk to God just like Kim did except it's gonna be private and then I'm just gonna lead you through prayers I'm gonna pray them I'm not gonna ask you to repeat them I am just gonna pray them but as I do if it if it um, resonates with you that that's one of your needs just come into agreement Just say, I agree, I agree, I agree. So the first thing I want you to do, we're going to take a moment of silence, and I want you to talk to Father God and ask him if there's anything he wants to heal right now. If there's any area of injury, any wounding, especially a father wound, that he wants to heal right now, that he has revealed through this evening. area in your lens keep that area in your focus and watch as father God heals it I'm going to pray a series of forgiveness prayers some of these may not apply some of them may if they do apply to you and if you want to choose to uh, forgive in these areas just say I forgive or I agree in, in a very quiet voice I choose to forgive my father for not telling me he loved me 
or for not showing me he loved me. I forgive him for not saying, I love you. For not saying, I'm proud of you. For not saying, I'm well pleased with you, my daughter or my son. I choose to forgive my father for not playing with me. For not cuddling me. For not holding me. For not laughing with me. For not reading to me. I choose to forgive him for being too busy. For not being there for those special times when I wanted him to be there. I choose to forgive my father for not keeping me safe. For not providing security and comfort for me. I choose to forgive my father for demanding perfect obedience and having rigid expectations of me. I choose to forgive him for his harshness, his intimidation, his controlling behavior. I choose to forgive my father that I wasn't allowed to have an opinion or to express an opinion. I choose to forgive my father for criticizing me, for not affirming me. I choose to forgive my father for not expressing his approval of me. I choose to forgive him for not valuing my talents, my gifts, my dreams, my desires, my passions, my joys. I choose to forgive him for not showing me that I'm special and that my life means something wonderful. I forgive my dad for devaluing me, for demeaning me. I choose to forgive my father for abusing me with his words, with his actions, or sexually. I choose to forgive my father for abandoning me. I choose to forgive my father for dying. I choose to forgive my father for misrepresenting Father God to me. 
now I want to take a moment for you to be able to speak out any other areas of forgiveness that you want to let go of right now. reject my dad I honor him I forgive him for he knew not what he was doing and I want you all to repeat this after me say I release my father from all harm that was done to me say it again I release my father from any and all harm that was done to me. And I cancel all debt that he owed me. Say, Father God, I hand to you the wounds and everything that is attached to them. I hand to you hurt. I hand to you anger. I hand to you fear. I hand to you loneliness. I hand to you insecurity. I let it all go. Say, Father God, what do you give me in exchange? And now I'm going to renounce lies that you may have been believing. Once again, if this is a lie that you have held on to, let it go. Father God, I renounce the lie that you don't love me. I renounce the lie that your love is based on my performance. I renounce the lie that you would ever leave me alone or comfortless or unprotected. I renounce the lie that you're angry with me or that you're disappointed in me. I renounce those lies. I renounce the lie that you don't approve of me. I renounce the lie that I'm not good enough, that I'm not special to you, that you aren't thrilled with the treasure in me. I renounce those lies. I hand those lies to you, God. I'm not going to hold on to it anymore. Say, Father God, what is the truth 
we're going to close with a blessing, a prayer of blessing. But before we do that, is there anybody who would like to share something that God revealed to them? Something that he gave you or a truth that he showed you? memories awesome that's beautiful so instead of that wound that memory that was a hurtful memory God said he's going to replace it with good memories with joyous memories oh that's beautiful thank you when I do these ministry sessions one on one I write all that stuff down the good stuff what God has given you in exchange, what truth he has shown you, that becomes rhema. Rhema is God speaking to you. That becomes rhema, that as you meditate on the truth, as you meditate on what he wants you to meditate on, the good, the pure, the lovely, the beautiful, the praiseworthy, the good reports, there is a deepening and a deepening of the healing within your soul. That's when we talk about walking this out. That's one of the keys is renewing your mind with the truths that he's showing you, with the love that he's giving you, with how he's replaced the wound with good stuff. This morning I was praying through a bunch of stuff regarding my dad that God just brought to my heart as I was preparing us. And as I let it go, and I said, God, what do you have for me in exchange? I saw God put a ring on my finger and a robe on me and sandals on my feet. Much like the prodigal son um, account, I saw God just wrap me in this robe, this priestly robe with a ring on my finger because I'm his. He's so pleased. He was so pleased. And I just felt the, the, the depth of his love for me. His, his non-condescending, his uncompromising, his unconditional love. So I'm going to close with blessing you. I'm going to pray the blessing over you that Father God wants you to know. You may not have received all of those basic emotional needs when you were between three and five years old but God has them for you today maybe you've already received them through your life maybe you haven't but today I'm going to pray those blessings over you so Father God right now in fact will you just lift your hands up like this in a position of receiving Father God bless these people bless them Father with a revelation a deep revelation of your love, of your unconditional love, of your unfailing love, of your deeply intimate love, of your far-reaching, enduring, inclusive, everlasting, extravagant love. 
bless them, Father, with deep revelation of your love. May they experience your embrace, God. May they experience your loving embrace, your affectionate love, your expressed love. Father God, bless them with a knowing of safety and protection. Bless them, Father God, with a, a shield of protection that surrounds their heart and their mind, that guards them. Father, I pray that you release an army of angels to surround them and protect them in the physical and in their heart to protect them on every side. Father God, bless them with knowing your approval, with knowing your acceptance, with knowing your affirmation. Father God, may they hear you speak to them of how much you love them and what the special qualities are that he that you love about them. Show it to them. I pray that you bless them with hearing your voice of approval. Bless them, Father, by knowing that what's in them is valuable. Bless them, Father, with the, the treasure that's in them. Shining. Shining. May your light, may your joy in those treasures shine. Shine all over them. May they know, God, that those gifts you, you put in there and you did it because you knew that that would be the treasure for them. May the treasure in them increase in value. May it increase as it's released to the world. May you be able to release heaven on earth through those gifts, through those talents, through the passions and the desires of their heart as they live what you've given to them. And Father, I pray a blessing over their identity. I pray that they come to know deeper and deeper who they are in you and who you are in them. That they know that they are the sons and the daughters of God that they know that they are kings and priests. They are your hands, your heart, your mouth, your strength, bearers of your good news. And Father, bless them that their destiny is known. Their future is known, and it's a good one. And it's a good one. And that there is hope that rises up to take hold of it and to walk into it. 
and now I'm going to pray scripture over you. This is Jeremiah 29, 11. God says to you, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you. Not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Amen. Psalm 27:10. Although my father and my mother have forsaken me, yet the Lord will take me up, adopt me as his child. John 14:18. I will not leave you an orphan. I will come to you. Jeremiah 31:3. The Lord appeared to me from ages past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you and continued my faithfulness to you. 1 John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Mark 1, 11. And there came a voice out of heaven. You are my beloved child. In you, I am well pleased. Kent, would you start our song, please? God loves you. He approves of you. He accepts you. And my prayer is that what was started today will grow deeper and deeper. The truth, the healing, the restoration, the reconciliation will grow deeper and deeper and deeper. The oaks of righteousness that Isaiah 61 talks about. 